It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about the most impressive prospects in spring training outside the top 100, when to move a pitcher from AA to AAA, and is Baltimore Orioles outfielder Heston Kierstad going to end 2023 as a top 50 prospect? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of Bravesoday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends with the Ultimate Baseball GM app. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your own franchise, this is the game for you. Visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up in the app stores because our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise with the promo code Locked On, all caps, in the game. Taking your questions like we do every single Monday, this is your show. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked On MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Uh, SF Giants Cam in our Discord asked about the most impressive prospects outside of the top 100 in spring training. Like, we all know Jordan Walker was very impressive, and he has made the Cardinals for opening day. Excited about that. But guys, outside of that top 100. So I've got three names for you. One of them is a little bit of a... a little bit of a cop-out, I guess, because I found out after I made my notes, MLB Pipeline has him in, like, like 90th. But Dodgers outfielder Andy Pajes, 2018 IFA out of Cuba. I got 132 games in AA last year. 236, 336, 468. 26 home runs, 58 extra base hits, 62 walks to 140 strikeouts, and 6-9 on stolen bases. The numbers from this spring for Andy Pajes don't necessarily jump off the page, right? 4 for 17, a double, 6 walks to 6 home runs. Uh, I'm sorry, six walks to six strikeouts, opponent quality of 6.6. But this is where, and we talked about this last week, this is where uh, some of the stuff that you view in person can make you realize we have to change our notes on the player. He's dropped something like 30 pounds, right? So he went into last year at something like 235, 240 while standing 6'1". And so a lot of the, the notes from watching him last year uh, in AA Tulsa was the speed had slowed down to 30, didn't have as much mobility as he needed to, the lower half was a little too thick. Well, he, like I said, he's dropped about 30 pounds, he's reportedly somewhere around 205 or so, it's that classic story of guy shows up to spring training in the best shape of his life, but... It's something where, from what I understand, the Dodgers didn't tell him to do it. This was all on him. He did this himself over the offseason, just wanted to be healthier, wanted to feel uh, better, like he was better able to do stuff. And he said that he hasn't, he, he felt like he hadn't lost any strength. And a lot of the preliminary results from batting practice, things like that, uh, bear that out. And so, if that is the case, if he legitimately has not lost, uh, any sort of 
in-game power, you're looking at a guy with probably a 70-grade uh, power tool, right? I mean, easily 30-35 home run power, something where athletically the swing wasn't maybe always optimal. It was a little bit because of the, like, the way he swings uphill. You have an issue with elevated velocity. You also had an issue between that and between his swing decisions on sliders. You could see him get, uh, get got by things away. Uh, being a little bit lighter, the thought process would be he's better able to, to make adjustments physically during an at-bat, things like that. Uh, also, it does raise the ceiling a little bit for his defense. If he can get back just to 40-grade speed, you're looking at a guy that already had good reactions in, in right field. But now if you can get the speed a little bit better, he projects out to be maybe, instead of being an average defender, to being possibly an above-average defender. And to go along with this, he has like a 70-grade arm, and he's gotten better with the accuracy. So I think Andy Pajes, this raises the floor. Uh, if you're in a dynasty league, feel free to go look for him and see if you can find a low-ball offer. He may not even be uh, on a team in your dynasty league. I'm in a 16-team dynasty league with, I think, 12 minor league spots, and he's not on a, a team in my dynasty league. So I'm going out and getting him. Uh, second guy, Ryan pitcher Jackson Rutledge of the Washington Nationals. 2019 first rounder out of junior college, 6'8", 250. Humongous, intimidating person. And the stuff is fantastic, but the stats have been underwhelming. So 20 games last year in low A at age 23. Obviously, he lost 2020. He then had uh, shoulder issues, uh, blister issues, did not look great in 21 before he looked a lot better in 22. But uh, 5.36 ERA in 97 and a third innings uh, in A ball. 99 strikeouts, so 9.2 per nine to 29 walks, 2.7 per nine, seven home runs allowed. Uh, this spring, three innings pitched, one hit, one run, one walk, two strikeouts. Opponent quality, 7.3. He got one inning against Mets starters. He got two innings against the Tigers. Looked pretty good. The fastball is still a 70-grade fastball, sits 95 or so, can touch 98. He throws both four-seamer and a two-seamer version of it. The slider uh, is a plus pitch, sits in the mid-80s, tons of swings and misses on it, and he's got to change up in, in the upper 80s. It's fine, didn't really use it a lot because he was a prep pitcher and they just never really needed him. Uh, last year, it felt like he was very much a sinker-slider guy. He's just trying to induce weak contact. Uh, and you can see that by the strikeouts per nine being barely over nine. This spring, it feels like he's a little more willing to attack hitters with his stuff and get them to swing and miss uh, and get the strikeout versus just settling for ground balls. I think it's perfectly feasible, perfectly reasonable to be a sinker slider guy. It does lower the ceiling a bit if that's the style of pitcher you are. So getting more swing and miss in his game is a good thing. The third guy is right-hand pitcher Ben Joyce of the Angels. And this actually was a, a, also asked on Twitter from AngelsFan1522 about Ben Joyce and his control and how, kind of how you go about fixing that. So, reminder on Ben Joyce. 2022 third rounder out of Tennessee. He's pretty much famous last year because he hit 104 in a game. Uh, that fastball is an 80-grade fastball. But he looked good when he got to double. He went straight to double A. 13 games, 208 ERA in 13 innings, four walks to 20 strikeouts. So far this spring, 
Six and two-thirds innings, four hits, two runs, six walks to 10 strikeouts, opponent quality of 7.7. He's got control work to do, right? The fastball, obviously, we know it can touch 104. It's got run on it. It can sail out of the hand. The slider was a sweeper last year. It looks more like a cutter now, but I don't care what it is, provided that he can land it for a strike. Uh, theoretically, he does have a changeup. I'm not sure if I've ever really even seen it more than maybe once. But in season, there's a couple things you can do to work with a guy on his control. So I think it's good that he didn't make the Angels out of spring training because he's got some work in. I want to see him probably go back to double A, be a lights out closer in double A before coming up. This is a scenario where he needs to better be able to land these pitches for strikes. And there's different drills and things that you can do to to make that happen. But then also, he's got to show that he can work multiple innings or work multiple days in a row. So like uh, between his time in junior college, his time at Tennessee, his time in Rocket City, and then in spring training, he's always worked on multiple days of rest. And like that's not how it works when you're in a major league bullpen. You're going to have to pitch on back-to-back days. And so what I want to see is I want to see, obviously, the control get a little bit better. You saw the four walks and 13 innings in spring. but And there's drills you can work on, things like that, in your bullpen, stuff like that, as well as in-game scenarios they can ask you to focus on certain things to work on the control. I want to see him throw an inning, either get one day of rest and then throw again, or throw back-to-back. And I think part of this is going to come down to he's going to have to take something off the fastball to do it. But it's just 86% of his appearances have come on two or more days of rest. And if you want to be a big leaguer, you've got to be able to pitch on back-to-back days or to pitch on only one day of rest. You've got to adjust your mentality. And I think there's writing that trade-off of what can I give up on velocity to gain in control and gain in durability and stamina so I can pitch again the next day. I think that's going to be the ultimate decider. Once he makes that change, then he's going to be a candidate to get called up and work at the major league level for the Angels. In just a minute, I've got a question about, speaking of that exact topic, when to move a pitcher from AA to AAA. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends with Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. This is... I. I can't stress enough how much fun this game is. It is in your pocket, the ability to simulate uh, a major league team and simulate an entire baseball organization. If you're listening to this show, like me, you obviously you care about prospects, but you also have thoughts about, well, this is how I would run an organization. This is what I would do. This is what I would change. And so that's what's cool about Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. You can go... And you control every aspect of your organization. You're managing the finances. You're balancing payroll with what you make from concessions or ticket sales. You're broadcasting all of that. You are controlling scouting and drafting players. You are controlling free agency. You are controlling when to promote players. Uh, You're dealing with personalities, whether it's your coaches and your staff, whether it's the personalities in your clubhouse for your players and the morale and how how that works. Maybe you want to tear it down. To rebuild your farm system, you have to keep the players at the major league level happy 
through all of that losing. You have to keep fans coming to the ballpark. It's a very realistic and challenging game world. Uh, We have a league between a bunch of the different Locked on MLB hosts. So like you can create leagues with your friends and you and all your friends can play the league as well. But we are, I am competing with some of these other hosts and my team is, it's fine. It's holding its own at the major league level, but by far I have the best farm system. And so it's something where I am, I, I'm, I project to have more money in free agency than a lot of those other teams will. And I'm going to have more contributions from my farm system than they are, which means I'm in a very advantageous position when it's time to figure out like what free agents I'm going to go sign. I can probably outbid anybody because I have less holes because I've got prospects that I feel good about. I'm also noticing that reluctance to trade your own prospects about overvaluing your own guys. So it's really interesting to kind of, to kind of see how that works. But anyway, uh, Locked On MLB Prospects listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code on the screen if you're on YouTube or look it up on the app store. That's probaseballgm.com, the ultimate baseball GM app. Start your dynasty today. Really interesting question I got from uh, at Coca-Cola on Twitter, also a Twitch streamer, really entertaining, go check it out. But he asked about what factors would you use to determine whether a double-A pitcher should move up to triple-A? And I think it's a fascinating question because if you think about it, double-A and triple-A exist for different reasons. They're both in the high minors, but double-A is very much development. Our goal is to make these players better so that they can eventually help out at the, at the major league level. The purpose of your AAA team is to help the major league roster win. So when you sign veterans to minor league deals, uh, things like that, they are in AAA. When you have organizational guys that are quad A guys that may be uh, an emergency call up because you had three injuries in the outfield and you have to get through a double header or you need an extra arm for a double header, That's your AAA team. And so I think there's different things you can learn at each level. Uh, I'm leaving a pitcher in AA until they've learned some, like, until they're solidified on the throwing part of being a pitcher, right? So I want to see the form and the delivery. Is it a smooth, uh, repeatable, effective delivery? I want to see the command and the control. Can they land the pitches where they need to land the pitches? Can they spot the fastball where they're trying to spot the fastball? If they want the slider to 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 be a chase pitch, can they effectively execute that? Things like that. When they go to AAA, that's, that's where I'm working on pitch mix and sequencing and some of that. And the idea for me is AA, I want to make sure that you are effective at throwing the baseball. The, the specific types of pitches you are trying to throw, are you effective at throwing those pitches? When you get to AAA, that's where we're fine-tuning to make sure that you can use those pitches that I now know you can throw to get batters out. We're working on sequencing. We're working on pitch mix. We're working on the ways that you attack hitters, uh, the situational stuff, things like that. So AA is making sure you are throwing correctly. AAA is making sure you are pitching. Now, that's my opinion. Maybe different for for different people, but that's kind of uh, how I see that. 
in a similar vein to this, where all we're talking about evaluating pitchers or evaluating players to see when they can get promoted and things like that. Anthony Corona on Twitter, huge Modesto, Modesto Nuts fan, uh, asked about in-person versus video evaluation. And is there really a difference in the two or can you get by with just video or just uh, vi- just in-person, things like that? I do think that there are some some things that you're only going to pick up on video that you're, I'm sorry, that you're, you're only going to pick up in person that you're not going to pick up on video, right? Uh, things you're not going to see on the television broadcast. So anything that's about how the guy performs in play, like, does he make the catch? How is the read route reaction in the outfield? Uh, can he hit the slider down the way? That's all stuff you can pick up off a of video. But the little things that don't come up on television, let's say it's a right fielder, okay? There's a ground ball in the infield. How quickly is he getting down the line to go back up the first baseman? There's a ball hit to left field. Uh, it looks like there may be a play at second. Is he rotating down to come provide support? You know, if there's a ball that's solidly hit to the center fielder, is he getting over there and attempting to to back up the play in case that center fielder doesn't catch it? Effort, things like that. Baseball instincts, uh, the type of attention they pay between innings, how engaged they are in the dugout, the relationships they have with their teammates. That's all stuff you can see in person that's hard to get off of the video feed. And so that's why it's important to try to do both. And that's why I don't always have the chance to travel to see prospects. Most prospects I don't get to see in person. But I try to read as many scouting reports from people that do go see these prospects in person to try to pick up on extra things like that. Whether it's Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB Pipeline. A lot of those different organizations, a lot of those different groups do live looks for scouting. And you'll see a lot of those websites, when they do a live look, they write it up because there's more than just what goes into the player's profile that's always available to be seen. And I want to know that stuff. So there is absolutely value in going to look at a player. But at the same time, I do think you can get a lot of the in-game information from video. It's just not perfect. It's, it's kind of like scouting versus analytics. Analytics can tell you a lot. But there's some stuff, especially the intangible stuff, the makeup stuff, that you can only learn from in-person scouting. And for prospects, it's kind of the same way. In just a minute, I've got a great question about can outfielder Hessen Kierstad be a top 50 prospect for the Orioles next year? But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. The Built March Badness Bracket is here. I know you've got a favorite bar or puff. Now it's the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I am voting for Churro. That is my absolute favorite flavor. Uh, if, if that is yours, you're voting for it too. Support your team. Support your bar or puff. When you vote for your favorite, and it should be the Churro, uh, you are entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. And one Locked On fan will get a 12-month subscription of Built to have their best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built. It is the best protein bar. They are amazing, and you will not even realize that it's good for you because it tastes so good. All Built bars, 100% real chocolate, usually 17 grams of protein, low in sugar, low in calories. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every single day in March, so hop in and support your pick. 
Okay, so Brandon Dillman on YouTube asked us about Heston Kierstad. What are the odds that he becomes a top 50 prospect at the end of 2023? And I I think it's actually pretty good. So reminder on who he is, 2021st rounder out of Arkansas, was considered to have probably the best lefty power of any position player out of college in that draft. Obviously, no season in 2020. Misses the entire 2021 season with myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle. So last year, he's 23 years old, and he's essentially starting at the bottom. He starts in A, he goes through A ball, he goes through double A. They send him to the Arizona Fall League to kind of catch up. And the stats aren't bad. So 65 games in the regular season last year, 309, 394, 457, five home runs, 24 extra base hits, 29 walks to 64 strikeouts in 65 games. So still, despite the layoff, only striking out one, you know, essentially one time per game and one for one on stolen bases. Goes to the Arizona Fall League. You can tell the power is getting back. He gets 22 games playing for Scottsdale. I think it's the Scorpions. 357, 385, 622 slugging. Five home runs, 15 extra base hits. Five walks of 31 strikeouts. So strikes out a little more than you'd like, but the power absolutely comes back. And then this spring has looked even better. 381, 409, 810 slugging. Uh, In 23 games, he's got four home runs and nine extra base hits. Opponent quality of 6.7. So he's not facing terrible. He's he's essentially playing right around a high, uh, right around a double A level. So... I expect him to probably go to double A buoyed this year. And I like what Heston Kierstad does. I think that defensively, you're still looking at a corner outfield guy. The arm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be above average. Well, once we see, well, I just haven't seen a lot of the arm this spring. I've mostly seen offensive highlights. But the whole goal here is he needs to see the pitching, right? He needs to see, uh, he needs to see good velocity. He needs to see breaking pitches away so he can work on the chase and things like that. It's just exposure to that high-level pitching. So I look for him to be in double-A for most of the year, looking at moving him to triple-A towards the end of the year. But I've got him absolutely as a guy who should jump into the top 50 by the end of the season, at the end of his age 24 year, and us talking about a 2024 call-up for Heston Kierstad. Another guy where if he's available in your fantasy league, Go out and get them. Been very impressed offensively with what I've seen so far. Another question from our Discord, Scuba, with two O's and three A's, uh, asks about Astros pitcher Alex Santos. Alex Santos was a uh, 2020 second-round supplemental out of high school. Obviously didn't pitch in 2020. Got in uh, some games in low A Fayetteville in 2021. Last year, 23 games, 14 starts, 82 and two-thirds innings, 599 ERA, 104 strikeouts, so 11.3 per nine, to 37 walks, so four walks per nine, and gave up 15 home runs. He's got a combination of tools that fit the Astros and what they like to do, right? The issue you have is uh, it's, it's a lot of it's mechanical, and then it's the type of pitches he has. So he's got a fastball and a curveball. Those are the two main pitches. Fastball sits... 92, 93, he can run it up to 95, but it's a lower 90s fastball. Has a lot of spin to it, so it's got good carry up in the zone. Curveball is a vertical breaking curveball. I think it's plus, but 
uh, you know, uh, fits what the Astros like to do very well as far as the uh, the fastball, curveball in the same tunnel. Uh, what I want to see, like he has a, he has a changeup. He really used it in high school because most prep pitchers don't. He's starting to work on it a little bit, but it's still below average right now. I think if the changeup can continue to get better and you can give him a slider that gives you horizontal break the other direction from the changeup, you're looking at a guy that is a potential starter, has a lot of stuff. The issue you have is his arm action's kind of whippy and doesn't really have a lot of smoothness to it. And then he doesn't always mechanically repeat the delivery. Something where like you need to get him to go through like the biomechanical analysis, which a lot of teams do in spring training, so he may have already done this by now, but needs to go through and do a lot more of the biomechanical streamlining of the delivery, getting everything to be smooth because he has to be able to repeat the delivery. When he doesn't, that's where you see the control issues, the command issues. That's where all of that comes up. So promising player, I believe both Baseball America and MLB Pipeline dropped him off their Astros top 30. I think he probably should still be in there, but towards the back of it, I mean, I'd probably 28, 29, I want to say Baseball America had him in the top 15 in this system last year. Like, that's how far he's dropped because he put up a 5.99 ERA in low A Fayetteville and went 0 for 11 on decisions. He did not win a single game officially. Pitcher wins are dumb, but still, notable that he didn't have one. So, I think he should still be in there. The potential's still there. He's just biomechanically got to work it out. Uh, Chef Shelios in our Discord asked about Impressive prospects in the World Baseball Classic outside a couple of the ones we've already talked about. We talked about Harry Ford. We talked about Sal Frelick. We talked about Edward Julian because we love the Canadian prospect God of Walks. But there was a couple other guys that were really impressive. And I think the impetus for him to ask this question was right-hand pitcher Duke uh, Duque Hebert from Nicaragua. Uh, 5'9", and he left the WBC with a contract from the Tigers. So... Again, 5'9", his main, he's a sinker slider guy. He sits right around 89 or 90 miles an hour with a sinker. He's got that slider around the same velocity, change-ups a little bit faster. But he struck out Juan Soto. He struck out Julio Rodriguez. He got Manny Machado, uh, like, swung and missed at a slider before he got a, a, a double. And then he struck out Rafael Devers. And it's like, okay, dude's 5'9", but he can pitch. He got a contract. That was really impressive. Uh, continuing with some of the impressive, the rest of the ones that I saw, I haven't seen anybody else get a contract yet, but there were some other impressive prospects. Javier Assad, a right-hand pitcher uh, out of Mexico. He's a Cubs prospect. So he was the piggyback for Patrick Sandoval against Team USA. Went three innings. Uh, he he got, I want to say he got six straight outs. He got Pete Alonso. I uh, str- struck him out. He had, uh, it was like, Fastballs at 96 and 97. He got Kyle Tucker. He got Tim Anderson. He got Will Smith. He got Jeff McNeil. He got Mookie Betts. Gave up a single to Mike Trout, which that happens. Not a big deal. Then he gets Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Alonzo out uh, to end the appearance. And I'm like, that if you can get through those three innings, like you're a dude. So I'm excited to see what Javier Assad does this year. He's obviously in great uh, condition. His stuff works. Want to see if the Cubs can unearth, have unearthed the gym there and how they continue to use him this year. The third guy, outfielder Jose Ramos from Team Panama. He's a prospect in the Dodgers system. So Panama went 2-2 two and two in their pool. First time they've won games 
in WBC history. Uh, he went five for 16. He hit a home run, scored five runs. Uh, also, against Cuba, had, if I remember right, like a great running catch in center field where he collided with the wall and then still made the throw in time to get the runner at the plate. So, really good showing there. Something where we're learning things from these WBC games that we didn't think we would because you've got TrackMan in all these parks. You've got StatCast stuff now for all of this. Really impressed with those three guys. Fantastic week coming up this week. Uh, obviously, opening days on Thursday, so we've got our Rookie of the Year draft. A lot of other fun stuff coming up. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crossy Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedInMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the LockedInMLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a good time to pay a minor leaguer.